coat out of the face. Get that cone out of my face. Oh, corn. What's up, church planners and church planning enthusiasts? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planner in arms, Matt Hess. What's up, Matt? How's it going, man? It's going pretty good. Nice. It's going pretty good. You guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planners for the everyday church planner. So whether you are a lead church planter, you're on a church planting team, or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. Matt, you're on your phone texting right now. I was going to ask you how your week's going. But... Oh, sorry, man. I... <laughs> I was actually reading the Bible. I was. Oh, were you? Looking, yeah, I was oh, actually. Okay. Looking. Well, now I feel kind of bad. You, you should, man. Do you ever feel? Do you ever call somebody out for like being on their phone or doing something like that, <laughs> like in a Bible study, and then you realize they were actually looking at the Bible? And <laughs> they're like kind of bad for. They're like, blast. Uh, get off your, get off your. Hey, mom. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, my, so that's a text message that just came in from my mom, Hi, mama, and it says beardless. You look 20. Oh, a, a laughy face. Hey, better than you, man. At least you're not getting people aren't thinking that Ginger uh, daughter. That's true. That's true. So we had a guest that came to Fellowship Pickering last year and we're talking to him and he's like, um, so, uh, oh, so Erica, she's your daughter. I'm like, that's that's my wife, man. And he's like, oh, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. And um, and then this past week, I think it was a joke <laughs> you told me, but then this past week, this guy thought that I was a. Uh, that uh, our new spiritual care director, um, Melissa Sponer at Fellowship Pickering, is is my daughter. And I'm like, she's my age, man. <laughs> so apparently I told Erica, I said, apparently I'm aging really, really well. But tell Mama hi. We love her. Hi, Mama. Yeah, I'll have to text her back later. Does she listen to the podcast? I don't know. But I need to make sure that she does or she's yeah. not a very good mom. Is she even your mom? I know. Come like, on. If she doesn't, then like. Does she even love me? Does she? I don't know. It's that's debatable. Yeah, I'll have to ask her. So how's your week going, buddy? Uh, it's going pretty good, man. It's going pretty good. Uh, we're you know we got a mission team up right now, um, as usual uh, in the summer. Yeah, uh, mission teams all throughout the summer. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, we're uh, seeing God continue to do some cool stuff. We got some uh, camps coming up. We had. Uh, a big, you know, like church-wide uh, picnic yeah. uh, last night, and that was really cool. Nice. It was cool, man. It's like um, like almost everybody came out. That's awesome. It's just really one of the cool things about— Everybody from your uh, church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were in Oshawa. Uh, no. 160,000 people came. Yeah, that, that would be quite an event, you know, and we just talked about events in our last episode. Oh, that's so it. That that's would true. be an impressive event. That would be an impressive event. It would be impressive. But not if you didn't have any fruit from it. No, not if there was no fruit. If there was no fruit following it, then what's the point? That's it. Do you guys do it at uh, the Lakeview Lake, Park? Lakeview Park. That yeah, park is Lakeview. beautiful. It is. It is a nice park. We just recorded um, with the lovely Miss Huntley, Jen Huntley, um, our communications director for the network. We just recorded some video down there for the new website that's launching yeah. soon for the fellowships. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's an awesome park. It is an awesome park. It is. One of the nicest I've ever seen. Seriously. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's and it's funny because it's in South Oshawa, which is you know not known for its nice <laughs> things. And, um, it's <laughs> 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 Oshawa. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's it was cool, man. It was a lot of fun uh, just having everybody out there. I think one of the cool things about you know, planting a church and then watching the community kind of blossom uh, from nothing. You know, you go from having nobody yeah. and then you start to see this church grow and you start yeah. to see people build relationships with each other. And I think one of the most rewarding things for me has been watching people uh, begin to like, you know, when the shift happens, when people start doing things outside of church and yeah. making connections and plans without your knowledge. That's right. And all of a sudden, you're not the one facilitating every yeah. single connection. Absolutely. Because as the planter, it seems like in the beginning stages, you're always facilitating all the meetups, all the connections, all the discipleship relationships that form. Yeah. And now those things are happening Without me being involved, yeah. like people are starting to go, hey, can I disciple you or can you disciple me? And hey, yeah. we should get together and go do this and yeah. uh, or, or go do that. And that's a really, really cool thing to watch. Absolutely, man. So. It's, you're talking about growth, right? Maturation of a church plant. Yep. And, 
you know, we at that, I know we're not talking about this obviously today, but it, you know, church planners have a decision to make when that stuff starts to happen. What I, you know, what I've seen before though, is a lot of planners are so con, they're, they're control freaks, you know, so they have to, they got to have their thumb on everything. And they're like, yeah. uh, you know, and that, oh man, it hinders movement so bad. You're never going to grow as a church. You know, I, I think we talked about that with Mac Lake a couple weeks ago. Yep. You know, sometimes I think the leader, the church planner is actually the kink in the hose, you know, the yep. hindrance, um, that is letting the, the movement happen and growth happen. So that's, that's right. good. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I love talking about community and warmth and everything like that. But what I really want to talk today about is church discipline. What? Yeah. We don't church discipline. Is that a thing anymore? Even what is discipline? <laughs> what does that mean? It's right. Discipline. Yeah. Is that what that <laughs> says? Discipline. <laughs> Let's disciple some people. Disciples? No, discipline, man. <laughs> well, yeah, today we're going to talk about practicing biblical church discipline in a church planting context. Uh, and I felt like this would be a, an important topic to address because for that precisely that reason, it gets neglected a lot. Sure. Um, it's not practiced very often anymore, and I think that that's a big mistake yeah. uh, that we make. Uh, and we, it's to our own detriment that we don't practice church discipline. Mm. I think there's a lot of misconceptions around what it is. Yeah. Uh, just that the, the very connotation of the word discipline, uh, you know, what the connotations that word brings with it. I think a lot yeah. of times scares people off before they even really consider what the Bible has to say about it. So, yeah. um, I, I think that'd be a good place to start, yeah. uh, is to talk about what does the Bible say church discipline is? Cause it does talk about it. So what is discipline? And in your opinion, why is it important, Matt? Gosh, man, every time we, in in the past in, in ministries that I've been a part of and, and led, we always start with this statement. Church discipline is always, it is always to lovingly bring that individual back into the body, yep. back into the bride of Christ. Yep. I think that's where, if we don't, if we don't understand that as the foundation of church discipline, that's when it becomes something that it's biblically not designed to do. Mm -hmm. uh, man, I've, I've, I could tell you some stories, man, about some ministries I've been a part of and some churches that I've been in that have attempted church discipline, and it was just unbiblical the way they did it. It was wrong. Um, it hurt people. It, it, was, um, it was primarily led by the wrong people. It just, I could go on and on. And, um, but, but what was not present in the majority of those cases, there was never a genuine desire to want to see that person repent of sin, right? Mm -hmm. And to lovingly rebuke them and to bring them back into the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. That's the goal of church discipline. Yeah. It, as a dad now, I look at why I discipline my boys and why I discipline my daughters. We don't discipline, Eric and I don't discipline our kids because, you know, we're angry or we're mad or we want them to, you know, do this or do that. We discipline them because we, we love them. We want them to obey. We want them to enjoy the goodness of being in good fellowship with mom and dad. And we want family unity, just like there needs to be family unity in the bride of Christ. Yeah. You know, we want all those kinds, uh, all those things present. And so for me, it starts with that lovingly trying to drink, bring people back um, into the bride. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think First um, Corinthians 5. Uh, 9 to 13 mm, is yeah. the principal text uh, for church discipline. I want to go ahead and read that just because I think it's so important yeah, to yeah. kind of work from that. Yeah. Um, You're reading out the King James Version only, right? Uh, no, I'm not. Well, we're about to have to do some discipline right here on the air. Okay. There we go. The only authorized version, right? <laughs> the authorized yeah, version. The version that was given. Did a guy say that to you a couple weeks ago or something? It was an old lady, yeah. She told me that. She told me that it was that was the inerrant version <laughs> Because that was the rare version that was handed down to the apostles. That's what Jesus preached. Even though they didn't speak English, but whatever. Yeah. All right, go ahead, man. Okay. So here's what Paul says. He says, I wrote to you in, this is 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 13. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and the swindlers or the idolaters. Since then, you would need to leave the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? 
God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Yeah, man. That, those are five verses that if there are any five verses that I feel like we have straight up ignored and we might as well just cut out of our Bibles recently, it would be those five verses right there. Yeah, dude. I, I You know, this passage of scripture, I preached this passage um, at a church I led, not because we were going through anything like that. It was just, I was preaching through the book. And it is fascinating. This passage has always kind of drawn me back to center point Mm -hmm. because you see, um, especially in the West, churches, we camp out on the things the world does. The world does this. The world does that. Well, it's very clear in Scripture. We're not of the world. Like we are citizens of a different kingdom, the Mm -hmm. kingdom of God. And so Paul is very clear. He said, what what do I have to do with the world? What do I have to do with judging the world? I'm concerned with our house. That's right. And that saying, like, it's time to clean our house. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's time we, we hold accountability to one another. We lovingly challenge one another. Hey, that's you don't look like Christ looks. Mm-hmm. You're not doing what Christ does. Mm-hmm. I just had a conversation literally last week with a pastor who is dealing with a situation in his church. And um, it's, 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 a, it's around the area of divorce. It's, it's a young leader, young guy. He's a leader in the community. And he just wants to divorce his wife. They're just kind of living separate lives. They've kind of drifted and he just wants to divorce her. And he's just tired of it. Just tired of having a bad marriage. And, you know, my friend's like, you know, we, we have to do something. Like I have to do something. I'm just praying through like how to handle this. His wife or his uh, mother is a, uh, is a prominent leader in the church, you know, uh, teaches Bible study, that kind of stuff. She's just kind of going along with it. Just kind of like, okay with it. And it's just like, you know, these are real life situations yep. that pastors get into every single month, yep. you know, on a regular basis in their church, especially, mm-hmm. you know, depending on the size of their churches. And you got to let the word of God guide you. What does the Bible say? Yep. You know, and I think we, it is time, you know, we lovingly try to, as as leaders in the church, we help people um, get in line with the will of God and, and what God's word says on these kinds of things. And but but it's. It's so much easier for us to go to go and look at the world and say, man, look at the world. Look what the world's doing. What the world does, what the world does. You know, we were of the world. We used to be of the world. We used to do what we did. It's time that we try to bring more clarity um, to people who um, claim the name of Jesus yeah, to follow good. God. That's good. And I'm looking something up, and I was kind of hoping you'd keep talking. <laughs> Because I'm trying to look something up right now. Yeah, for in my sure. Bible. But <clears throat> while I'm doing that, I'll go ahead and say that um, I honestly do think that um, like one of the biggest problems today in the church is that you know church discipline is neglected, and yeah. we've kind of uh, you know I always talk about how things kind of move uh, uh, along a pendulum, right? We yeah. the pendulum swings, and like I remember uh, reading a statistic when I was reading through some some Baptist history stuff. Uh, not too long ago, like in the early 1800s in the state of Georgia, uh, Baptist churches in Georgia were excommunicating 2% of their members wow. on average. And I was like, wow, that's, yeah. that's, that's pretty uh, aggressive. Yeah. And, you know, that was probably, probably a little bit overboard because, I mean, they were, ex, you know, they were excommunicating people for, uh, you know, who were rumored to have been dancing, you know, like showing up at the dance or if they had bought like a, a fiddle and they were playing the fiddle, you know, things like that. So they'd be excommunicating. I'm laughing. They'd be excommunicating Gavin, my nine year old. All he does anymore is floss. That's a big thing right now. Flossing, man. Tell me about that. What he, is flossing? He, he, it's like this dance. I'm not going to do it for you, but like it's okay. this dance you go back and forth and. He starts to do it, and I'll just say, like, flossing like a boss. And, like, he starts flossing. And he starts flossing like a boss. Yeah, man. Okay. He just starts, like, going to town with it and stuff. That's funny, man. Well, yeah. I mean, there used to be a, a more acceptable culture of doing it, right? And But, it, but of course, the pendulum effect, like, they used to do it in a way where, you know, we're going to excommunicate you because you play the fiddle. Of course, that's a legalistic view of how they used to, right, right. to do it. But even now, you think about all the issues going on today. We're terrified to, to do these kinds of things. We're terrified of it, especially in a, a super church culture. Mm-hmm. It's a little different with us, right? I mean, I know this is a podcast for church planners, and so we don't want to drift too far away from church planning. 
But when you talk about the differences between a church plant and an established church, in an established church, you're going to have a lot more of these kinds of issues, man. In a church planting context, probably within your first two to five years, it's going to be pretty rare. Mm -hmm. I mean, am I saying like it's not going to happen? Yeah, it could. But if you're planting out of the harvest, if you're primarily reaching lost people, you shouldn't be dealing with a ton of church discipline issues. If you're bringing in a lot of people, man, I'll just say, if you're bringing a lot of people on your core team who come from an established church background, and you want to launch with a huge core team, you just got to understand that it comes with some stuff. And I'll say you shouldn't if you're having the hard conversations you need to have on the front end. Yeah. If you're not addressing the things that you need to address on the front end, then you're going to have a lot of just... You're gonna have a lot of trash to take out on the back end. Yeah. Um, so and we're not, obviously we're not calling people trash. No, we're talking yeah. about like issues, not issues. Pe- we're talking yes. about issues, not people. Absolutely. When I say that, so I don't want baby like, man, the dudes call me trash. Like, no, yeah, no, no. <laughs> thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. I'm not saying that like people that need to have church discipline executed on them obviously are valuable, and we they're not trash. So, um, man, what? I think <laughs> just joking. Good. I think there's a couple of reasons, though, that church discipline is so important. And I think, you know, all three of these reasons are are biblical. Yeah. The first one to be is that it keeps people saved. Mm. Um, You know, it's one of God's ordained means by which uh, the church, uh, people within the church stay saved. Yeah. Um, You know, like... uh, um, Hebrews three twelve to fourteen says, "Warn each other every day, while it is still called today, so that none of you will be deceived. Uh, none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Um, for we have come to share uh, in salvation, if indeed we hold firm our original confidence to the end." Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, I know Jude uh, talks about uh, snatching one another out of the flames. Right? Yeah. And um, you know, so the Bible is very clear. Uh, that, um, you know, discipline is one of the ways in which God uh, causes the fruit of righteousness to be born in us. And it's not always pleasant at the time. It can be painful at the time. Uh, But people who are truly born again, uh, they're going to respond to that discipline with ultimately with like humility and repentance um, whenever, if they truly have the Holy Spirit inside of them. And so that's one of the means by which God keeps people saved. The other one would be, um, church discipline prevents Satan from getting a foothold in the church, mm. right? Especially when it comes to issues of like division and uh, slander and just infighting within the church. Yeah. I mean, that's something that can really, that can really rip apart a church in a hurry, you know. And like Paul tells Titus in, uh, in Titus chapter three, he says, anyone who stirs up division after warning them once and then twice have nothing more to do have with nothing them. to do with them. Like that's. That you it's know, we hear that and we say, we think that sounds harsh, but the reason mm-hmm. is because Paul knew full well just how destructive that stuff can be. Yeah. You can't tolerate it for long. Yeah. You can't tolerate it because yeah. it'll literally destroy your church. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't handle it. Yeah, it'll division in the church. I'm I'm convinced that so much division. The churches that I was brought up in, you know, and 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 uh, you know. Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, Tennessee, Mississippi, you know, the churches that I've served at Virginia, either served in or been a member at, you know, almost seemingly every single one of them at some point in time have been impacted by these things that we're talking mm-hmm. about, the divisiveness and the gossip, the slander and all that kind of stuff. You look back on it, it's like, why didn't the leadership ever really just take care of it? Like, why didn't we handle it? You know, why didn't we just, you know, take, take, um, take that stuff kind of head on and it's it's that it's the difficult conversations but you don't want to get into that you don't want to get into those difficult conversations but to your point you know it prevents satan from getting a foothold in the church and i think that so many churches are are so there there's no unity there's there's so much division there's so much distraction by the enemy everybody's kind of bickering and fighting and there's these little things going on mm-hmm. and here's the thing it's usually just like a few Usually, just a few people that are causing those problems and causing those issues, but it's it's drawing everybody off mission. Yep. It's distracting everybody from doing what they're supposed to mm-hmm. do. So, I, I personally believe like when when you don't when you don't have healthy um, healthy modes of church discipline, you're not doing it on a on a, in, in a on a basis where when it's on a necessary basis, I think that you are hindering. The movement of God, you're hindering revival from coming. You're mm-hmm. when you allow that stuff to continue yeah. in your church, you're actually allowing Satan to kind of run yeah, things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the third thing I would say that um, 
church discipline, um, you know, third reason it's important is that it protects the integrity of the witness of the church, yeah, uh, and also the integrity of the gospel message. I always think about. Man, one of the one of the verses that just always uh, just causes me to go, God, may this never be said of me, is in Romans two, where Paul is uh, kind of rebuking the the the, the Jews, right? Like so, yeah. in the first chapter, um, he kind of lays the smack down on Gentiles and says, like, look, you're guilty before God. And then chapter two, Paul says, oh, and if you guys think you're you're good just because you know yeah. you're born of the seed of Abraham, like, yeah, you're not. You're guilty under the law. And he's yeah. setting up the gospel, right? Yeah. To show that we're all under condemnation. But he says the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Mm. Because you're taking God's name on your lips and you are doing the very same things that you're accusing the Gentiles yeah. of doing. And I just, like, if we don't have church discipline, like, that's one of the reasons that People see the church uh, a lot of times nowadays, and, and some of this has merit and some of it doesn't. Some of it's fair, some of it's not fair. But a lot of people, they see the church and they go, well, why would I want anything to do with that? Dude, in these churches, you know, it's they have bad reputations. Yep. They have reputations in the community for being divisive, for, for chewing people up and spitting them out and, yep. and different kinds. I think I told you this one time, but there's a there's an older gentleman in, in the Deep South and... Um, He's a great guy, man. Pastor for years and years, and he's a cartoonist and and writes articles and stuff like that. And um, he told a story one time about this. Um, he was either the leader, he was either the pastor of this church, or he was uh, a member. I don't remember. Uh, but anyways, this family who had caused division all over this county, this is down in the states, had brought division all over this county, came to their church. And everybody was nervous because there was a sweet spirit of unity. The people were getting saved, you know, the kingdom was advancing, all these good things. And so sure enough, you know, after the fourth, fifth week, whatever it might have been, as they do in not not all the churches now, but a lot of churches still in the South, they walked down the aisle to join the church one Sunday morning. And everybody's nervous, you know, and they they allowed these people to join the church. And then they asked for this old wise deacon to close in prayer, the pastor. And the deacon prayed this prayer. He said, God, you know what you're doing right now in this church. And you know that you're moving. You know that incredible things are happening. And God, you know this family. And you know that this family has caused division and slandered and disunity in all kinds of churches throughout this county. God, I pray that if they come here and as they join this church, that they wouldn't do any of that here. And God, I pray that if they start to, that you would remove them in whatever way you need to. In Jesus' name, amen. And my friend said they never had one problem out of that family. (laughs) They served faithfully. And what's my point? My point is this. I know we're going to get to this, but sometimes, man, you have to address the situation mm-hmm. head on. Mm-hmm. You just have to. You got to talk about it. Yeah. You, you got to deal with things. Yeah. And they had a reputation. Yeah. They literally had a reputation. Mm-hmm. Not a place like Toronto. You're not. It's going to be tough to do that, right? Yeah. But, but my point is, is that they had a reputation for causing problems in churches. Mm-hmm. And somebody said that deacon said, "Enough's enough. Yeah. We're going to call it what it is." Yeah. And they did what they were supposed to do. So, yeah. well, I think that's the main the main hindrance to uh, church discipline is the, you know it's the fear of man. Um, we mm. avoid hard conversations. Yeah, um, and you know this goes for you know uh, a church planning context or yeah. an established church context. I mean, you're, when you're in a church planning context, you're going to have to have hard conversations. I remember. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I th- we should probably talk about covenant membership as well because yeah, you can't not a bad really, idea at all. Well, you can't have co- you can't have church discipline if you don't have covenant membership. That's right. Because you know you you've got to have something. Well, you can. Which, it just makes it difficult. Right. It makes it. Oh yeah. You it, can't because it's biblical. That's true. That's true. But it's and difficult. It is a lot more difficult. Yeah. So you know, I remember we had um, uh, we had a meeting with somebody one time who was interested in becoming a member. Yeah. Uh, of the church and this person, you know, had a uh, shall we say. Uh, a loose uh, sexual life. Yeah. And so, you know, and, the, and it was known uh, and uh, we had that conversation and, and this person kind of asked basically, you know, very unchurched person and was asking me, well, like, you know, what's wrong with it as a sin? And so yeah. we went through, you know, well, here's what the Bible says about it. Like, yes, it's definitely a sin. It's definitely not yeah. know, okay. And, um, you know, and, that conversation was not an easy conversation to have because this person basically was telling me like they, they weren't, 
you know, willing to give up this specific relationship. And so I had to tell that person, I can't, you cannot be a member here. You yeah. Know, like, you know, you can keep coming. You can attend. Uh, you can attend all that stuff. And, you mm-hmm. know, we'll continue to share the gospel. Uh, but, you know, you can't do that. But we have to have those conversations. We can't Absolutely. just let people walk an aisle yeah. and just like, you know, yeah, come on in. Sure. Yeah. Why not? One so. of the first things we did, man, when you know this, but when we started uh, Fellowship Pickering, Eric and I were really passionate about this because we had been a part of some churches that everything was just so loosely structured. You know, there was no, there was no real, you know, it's like um, they could walk an aisle and fill out a card and become a member. And you don't know if that person's, you, you don't know if that individual is a predator, a sexual predator. You don't know. And they say, can I start working in your nursery? And you're like, sure. You know, Joe Schmo is a good guy and you don't know their background. You don't know anything. So part of it's protecting other people in the, in, in the body of Christ, because we are shepherds. Mm-hmm. And the other part of it though, for us was how can you ever really hold people to a higher standard? Because coming out of some of our background, what we saw was, is that you could give your life to Christ and essentially be apathetic. You could, you didn't have to really engage in serving the Lord. You didn't have to be in the harvest. You didn't have to, uh, you didn't have to, um, you didn't, you didn't have to share the gospel. You didn't have to do any that you'd have to be on mission. You could just kind of be a per- And we said, we don't want that. And so for us, now nothing is bulletproof, but for us, we do covenant membership. And I know you guys do that as well. We do covenant membership because for us, it's a, we're able to show them and say, this is our lifestyle policy. This is what the Bible says about what a healthy member should look like. This is what the Bible, and, and they sign, our elders sign, and everybody knows Everybody knows what the um, the standards are, mm-hmm. and so for the, for this uh, pastor, I was talking to about this this guy who's dealing with divorce. So in, in in our covenant at Fellowship Pickering, we ask our covenant members that when they get to divorce, when they get to where they're actually talking about getting divorced, we actually ask them to come and speak to the elders. And we want to provide counseling for them. And if we can't provide what they need, we want to help them get counseling to heal their marriage before they just give up, right? Yep. And so that's that's the health or that's the benefit of being having covenant membership. Mm-hmm. Now, does it does it is it bulletproof? Does it does it keep you from everything? Of course not, no. because nothing is. Yep. But it sure helps. Yep. It helps a lot when you're talking about church discipline. Yep. And to the church planners listening, I would say, in the beginning determine how people become covenant members of your church. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they need to know there, there is a, there's a process that somebody should have to go through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it will help with this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I think it brings more clarity. Uh, you know, covenant memberships bring clarity, uh, to, you know, your, your expectations and, um, you know, like this is what it looks like to be you know, yeah. a covenant member here. And, um, you know, and then it's something that you can take to people and say like, Hey, you know, you remember, this is what we, you know, we talked about, yep. like, um, you know, I, I think too about, uh, you know, going back to like protecting the, the witness of the church and the yeah. integrity of the gospel, right? Like, uh, this doesn't just go for like egregious, um, uh, you know, transgressions, you know, like no. an affair or something like that. This could even, uh, apply to people who are, uh, just sitting in their seats and they're doing nothing. Right. Yeah. So like part of our covenant, you know, membership is like, man, like if you're going to be a covenant member, that means you're, you're doing a, a, you're, you're agreeing to a new level of commitment, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're going to be a part of this body, which means that you're going to serve, right? You're going to use to serve. You're going to give, uh, you're going to share, you're going to be involved in, you know, the life of the church, meaning like more than just showing up on Sundays, things like that. Um, and so when you've got people like, man, I look around at so many churches and and it's full of people who are on the member roles and basically all they do is show up on Sunday. And that's it. Yeah. And you know what does that say to a watching world about uh, how 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 much we love our Jesus and how yeah. great this gospel really is? Like to me, it communicates this isn't really that important to us. Yeah. And is that really what we want to communicate? Yeah, that's absolutely it, man. So, like people, you know, they say, you know, is is this the standard? Is this yeah. the standard? You know, you just attend and you just show up and, and here it is. And so, man, I think having those difficult conversations, that's 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 where it begins. You have to be willing. But I, and I would say this when we talk about this conversation, church discipline, you got to be in relationship with people. Mm-hmm. You, you got to be in relationship with people. The, the reason and I believe this, I believe a lot of pastors don't know their people. 
Uh, they don't, they don't know their sheep, you know, they don't, the shepherd doesn't know the sheep and we're not in community with people. Now in a bigger church, can you know everybody? No, but you need to have, like we talked about with Mac a couple weeks ago, you got to have structure and you have leadership pipeline. You got to have all those things where if you're the lead pastor, your ministry directors and your staff, like they should be in relationship with your people Mm -hmm. and you should be in relationship with your leaders. Mm -hmm. You should be discipling your leaders who lead leaders. You know, you can break it down however big or however, how small, but in some form or some fashion, you got to be in connection with people. And when those things do go off the rails, you can begin that process. Mm -hmm. You can start that process of actually going to that person, you know, individually, you know, all that kind of stuff, begin that journey. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, I think the man, maybe even more than like the fear of man, um, for church planters, uh, I think the reason that we avoid these difficult conversations and that we can kind of get ourselves into these situations where things, you know, become much more of a problem than they would have been had yeah. we addressed them earlier, is uh, there's this. I think there's a mixing up of priorities, mm. and we we make our goal. Uh, we we think the goal is to keep people in our church and not in Christ. Man, that's good. Um, our goal is not to keep people in church; it's to keep them in Christ. Because uh, when your goal is to keep people in church, then you're gonna you're going to naturally be resistant to anything that you think would scare them off. Yep. Uh, to anything that you think would offend somebody. To yep. anything that you think might, um, you know, potentially hurt somebody's feelings or or, or yeah. what have you. And it's not that you know church discipline is not about like purposefully hurting somebody's feelings. Obviously, no, of course you know, not. But uh, but there are hard things that have to be said, and there yeah. is. Uh, let's just be honest, man. When you have to address sin in somebody's life or something like that, yeah. there's always the real possibility that they're going to go, I don't want to talk about this with you anymore. Yeah. And I don't want to submit to what the Bible says on this. Yeah. So if you're going to make me do that, I'm going to leave. Yeah. Right. And I think that it really comes from a, a compassionate and caring heart for yeah. a lot of planters. They they love people and they don't want to see them leave. They want, No, I want them to stay here yeah. at the church because if they stay here, then they can continue to hear the gospel. Right. But I think that it, it's misguided because mm-hmm. when, if we uh, don't clearly address sin in people's yeah. life, and we give we, we let them operate under this false pretense that like yeah. it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't matter if they keep coming back to church every week. That's right. And hear, to hear the gospel, it's not going to do them any yeah. good. Their hearts have hardened. Right. Their I hearts mean, are hardened. Scripture talks about that, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know when when do you practice church discipline? When yep. do you you know Jesus says you know uh, he tells us when in Matthew eighteen. I'll read it in just a second just to remind us all. But you know like what you're talking about, man. That is such a great great line that. I hope we really listen to, you know, that our goal is not to keep people in church, it's to keep them in Christ. Because if your goal is to keep them in church, man, when I look back, when I look back on all my church experience and, you know, been brought up in church, been in church all my life, every, every, I'm 37, been in church all my life. I haven't been a Christian since 2007, but been in church all my life. And when I think about church discipline, man, I have seen just terrible, terrible things in church discipline. It's done really poorly or it's not done at all. There's no, it's, it's very far and few between when it's done biblically. And I would say, I would say this man, like I've even heard pastors like friends say, well, I don't, I don't want to do this because, um, you know, it will bring more division. It will bring more mm. disunity in the church. Man, and I'm sympathetic. I've been there before, man. Okay. When I pastored um, in, in the States, there were churches that, that I led or, or, or helped lead on leadership teams. And you are in some really tricky spots, man. We're not saying, I hope you hear us, we're not saying it's easy. And we're not saying that um, it's just it's just very black and white. You do it this way and there it goes, you know, and that's it. It's I've been in those situations. It's not always black and white. Right. It's it's super challenging at times. Um, but, you know, I've, I've, I've heard, I've heard of pastors. I had a pastor say one time, if I, if I do church discipline, that person's going to leave and they're going to bring, they're going to take 20 people with them. And we're in the middle of a building project or, you know, um, you know, cause if, if, if we don't practice the Bible because we think giving's going to stop, Yikes. That's that's troublesome, right? Yeah. That's one of the examples. We're trying to keep people in the church and not in Christ. Yeah. But if that person, I'd rather be a church of 20. I'd rather be a church of 30, 40, 50, whatever, than be a church of 500. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and we're all just, we're all divisive. We're all, there's no unity. There's no clarity of what we're doing. It goes back to faith, man. It goes like back to faith. God's going to build his church. Yeah. 
I mean, exercise of church discipline is an, is an exercise of faith. You yeah. know, it's not, it's counterintuitive to ask somebody to leave your church yeah. when you're wanting your church to grow. But, you know, like that's part of the, the pruning process. And obviously you're, the reason you're asking them to leave is because you're hoping to have them back restored, yeah. um, you know, like better uh, than before, yeah. Right? Like you want them restored back uh, in a, in a way in which they've learned from that situation yeah. and they've actually drawn closer to Christ and they've been set free from the sin. And now uh, you're going to have an even more valuable yeah. uh, church member and brother and sister in Christ. That's you know? it. Um, and that's that's always the goal of church discipline. So, man, I, I will tell you this story because everybody loves stories, you know. Because I, I just we learn the most from stories. So Jesus says this in Matthew eighteen, right? Um, the famous verse on discipline, uh, starting in verse fifteen. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. In private, mm. if he listens to you, you have won your brother. He's he's repented. Right. He's going a different direction. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed that I was explaining to my boys. Um, there's two sides to every story. Right. There's two sides, to every coin. And so uh, trying to explain to them what that means. And then verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and as a tax collector. And so there's a very clear process there. I was a part of a church one time. I was the associate pastor, youth and whatnot. And um, there was a there was a leader there in the church, really dynamic, charismatic guy, older guy. Everybody loved him. Everybody loved him. I loved him. He, him and his wife were good friends of ours, and we loved him. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps. He was in the Marine Corps. Different eras, obviously, but great guy. Well, the the pastor at the time was a very passive type kind of guy. He he wanted a lot of people to like him. He's kind of introverted. And now this brother I'm talking about was opposite. Mm. He's very extroverted. And so basically they developed this relationship. This this friend of mine, he was the education minister. He directed all the Sunday schools, a small church, you know, maybe a hundred so. And uh, but it really began to grow. God had his hand, it really began to grow. And um, they're going to build and all this stuff is real in, in a rural state. And so the uh, what happened over time was the pastor would go to the education director and he would say, you need to take care of this. You need to take care of that. And this brother would start to do the quote unquote dirty work of the church. Hmm. He would have the difficult conversations because people loved him. He was hmm. he 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 would just straight up tell you like it was. You know, but in Christ, most of the time, I think, and, um, and and all that kind of stuff. Well, what happened was there began to be kind of like a power shift where people started to kind of respect him a little bit more than the pastor. And the pastor didn't like that. And so just out of the blue, one morning, the pastor gets up and um, the pastor says, there's somebody in this church who has, uh, they're divisive. Uh, their wife is divisive. They're slanderers. And... Um, I'm going to give you the opportunity right now to stand up and acknowledge who you are and repent. And that's how quiet it was, as quiet as right now. And of, of course, they didn't stand up, you know. And he said, okay, guess everything, Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And the pastor says, okay, um, we're going to give you till tonight. This is Sunday night service as well. And they said, we're going to give you till tonight. And we're going to give you the opportunity to, to pray about it, think about it, and come back tonight. Did any of the guests come back to the I think, service? I think we broke a Sunday night church record attendance. <laughs> <Sunday>. <laughs> they probably did. Yeah. Hey, let's come see the show. Yeah, everybody, everybody wanted to see what happened. Yeah. But it was packed. I'm telling you, it was packed. And they 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 came back that night. Everybody came back that night. And we're just, we're like, man, you know, I'm not even a believer at this point. You know, my testimony, I wasn't a Christian as I served. And so I'm I'm like, man, this is crazy. And so the pastor says it again. You know, again... Like I said this morning, there's somebody in this church, him and his wife, they're divisive, causing problems, and we're going to give them an opportunity to stand up and repent. Everybody knew who they were, he was talking about, you know, but they don't. And he said, okay, since they refuse to stand up, I'm going to just call them out. And he calls out their names. And he says, um, do you repent? And uh, he says, you either repent right now before the church or you're going to, you have to leave immediately. You have to leave the church. And they stood up and they said, we haven't done nothing wrong. And to his fault, the guy, my friend says, and if you think you can remove me, you, you're more than welcome to try to do that. And then it got ugly. Yeah, and yeah. this, and to this day, that church is dying. Huh. Last time I heard. Now, let me tell you what happened. 
in the in the middle before that stuff started going down. This is how Satan works, listener. This is how Satan works. Before that went down, man, revival was coming to that place. When that pastor came to that church, he was bivocational. It was a dying, dwindling little rural church, but it was off a major highway. And it had a rich history way back in like the late 1800s, but it was starting to grow and stuff like that. And he came, it was about 30 people. This was part of his pride and ego and power struggle when he came and it started to grow. They started telling people about Jesus in the community, started baptizing. They called me and, and Erica and we served as youth leaders and uh, we got there. Their youth was about, uh, was literally three, three kids and we left, it, it was 27 and it was started, it started to grow, started doing really good things. They had started to talk about a building program. They were running about 200 people, went from 30 to 200 in several years, wow. growing and all kinds of people getting saved, baptisms left and right. And that stuff went down. Mm-hmm. And then... Now they have a, they had a, and I don't know recently, but last time I heard, they have just such a spoiled reputation in the community. I can tell you multiple lives that to this day, they are not in church, that that church had connected and reached out to and, and led to Christ. And to this day, because of that event, they're no longer in church. Wow. And now, now the consequences. Now what happened? We just now read the passage of Jesus. Did that pastor do it right? He didn't go to that person in private. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he didn't want to have a difficult conversation. He's yep. an introverted. He wanted to go, get in front of the entire church. So he skipped two steps that Jesus told him to, and he went right to the third. He took it right to the church and tried to treat him like a Gentile tax collector. And that's what happens when you do it the wrong way. And I'm telling you, the devastation. Now, now, now I, I'm not God. I don't pretend to be God, but my wife and I have had this conversation. Listen what happened. That pastor was dead of cancer uh, less than two years after that event, his wife was in remission from breast cancer. She died within a year of that event. Their grandson died of uh, diabetes complication, found him down for 16 years old within a year of that event. Wow. Now, I'm not saying God's punishing them. I don't know. I just know that this isn't a game like mm-hmm. what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Like there's when we do things the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It matters, you know, and so it starts with that conversation. If you love somebody, I, I, I love people. If, if the, the men that I disciple and pour into and you as well, the people you pour into and disciple, you have difficult conversations with these people because you love them. You want the best for them. Mm -hmm. It's in the world has tricked us. The world has convinced us as pastors and as shepherds that that if we go and we talk to people about their sin or we if we deal with them that we're 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 hating them or we're mm-hmm. we're not being kind or we're not being nice or whatever it might be but the bible says it's love yeah. it's love and we're so scared of man we're so scared of difficult conversations and here's the really crazy part you know in all the difficult conversations i've had to have over the years the majority of those difficult conversations They've done the first thing Jesus says. They've repented. Yep. Well, I was going to say, I, I think some of the sweetest fruit that I've seen has grown out of the hardest conversations. Oh, man. Right? Yeah. Like, um, you know, sweet fruit grows out of bitter conversations. It yeah, really, really, it really, really does. does. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I just think back on, you know, some of the people who are some of the, you know, you know newer disciples that are just growing and thriving yeah. right now in our church. And I think with most of them, I've had to have tough conversations with them, you know, like there's been, you know, you know, battles and issues with sin and things that, you know, they've really had a hard time reconciling with, you know, do I, I don't know if I agree with what the Bible says about this or whatever. And, you know, just having to be truthful with them and, and not compromise. And I just see, and I look around across so much of, of the church and I just see this, um, this is unwillingness to, uh, to want to stand yeah. Uh, on what the Bible says, because we're we're so con- we're again we're so concerned about keeping people in the church rather than in Christ. And I'll be honest with you, man. Like you look around and you look at the churches, um, you know, and I lo- use that term loosely. Uh, who you know, like in our context, who are interested mainly in keeping people in the church, and they're doing yeah. everything they can to accommodate the culture. You know, like the United Church up here and stuff like that. Yeah, but they're dying. They're dying. I just drove by United Church the other day. And it's and they they had on their sign the advertising they're doing joint services with all the other United Churches so they do one service every six weeks 
in mm. each church. Yeah. They've got six churches that are combined to do one Sunday morning service. Yeah. That's what's happening to the churches mm -hmm. that are trying to keep people in church rather yeah. than in Christ. Yeah. So don't ever fall for that lie that yeah. Satan's trying to get you to buy. Like saying that that's the it's the compassionate root or something. Yeah. It's not the compassionate root. Here's the bottom line, man. You know, like I've been in ministry a little bit longer than you, but um, what? what? Well, you know, you, you could be my son, according to some people, probably. Uh, what? But, but no, well, you know, everybody thinks that I have these daughters, and Erica's my oh, daughter. Okay, so. gotcha. But like, you know, I think about, I think about the years that I've led and, and I look back, I look back on some times in my life where, where I've served and I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I didn't do the right thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't know I was too afraid and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a fear of man like we're talking about, um, today. It was a fear of there's some people here that really love the Lord. And if I do this thing, it's going to split this church, mm -hmm. you know? And I don't want to do that. And, but at the end of the day, it probably should have been done, but you're just fearful, mm -hmm. you know, you're fearful. And it is getting to that point where you say, man, this is just the right thing. And whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Well, and who says it? Like if, if God has told us to do something yeah. and it's our job to trust him yeah. and like, it's not our job to figure out how to right. not let the church split. That's like, right. Like, I mean, as hard as it is yeah. to think, like, what if that's God's will? Yeah. You know, like it could be, yeah. or if it's not, then why are you even worried about it happening? Yeah. Like just obey him and trust that he's going to keep it together. Absolutely. I know it's easy for me to sit there and say that like <laughs> while we're doing this podcast, yeah. but I mean, that's, it's true. That's the reality. It, you know, like I think when we talk about, we talk about why we do, we've talked about why we don't do church discipline. I think we should just speak for a second on the results or, or, or the consequences of not doing church discipline. We've spoken a little bit yep. about that, yep. but you know, I think, I think one of the consequences that we just don't understand, we don't realize is that the glory of the Lord has departed. I mean, like mm -hmm. when, as leaders, when we refuse to do the right thing in the tough times, like, are we, are we just convinced? Are we that convinced that there's something so special about us that God's just going to keep dwelling on us and his anointing hand is still going to be on us. And, you know, I mean, it's very clear about what God who God dwells with and who he doesn't, you know, can we keep on disobeying him in areas of our life and expect him to anoint our preaching, to anoint our leadership, to, to grow our church and all that kind of stuff. I just, I would say no. I'd agree. And so those consequences are vast, you know? And so yeah. it's like, it's like Samson, you know, he didn't even realize the power had left him right when they jumped him. And that's a dangerous place to be mm -hmm. as a leader. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, it is, man. You're right. Well, we could probably keep talking about church discipline and covenant membership for a long time. Right there's, there's there's so much uh, that goes into this subject, but uh, it's been good. It's been a good uh, topic, and uh, we'd love to hear you guys just your feedback on it. Um, feel free to like email us or, or comment uh, on um, Facebook. Uh, what you're pointing at me, man? I know. Before we close, I know. I just I want to speak to this very thing because I just saw it in the show notes that you wrote and. I, I like for for the church planner listening. When do you do this? Mm -hmm. Like when do you do this? When do you? I I think some guys they they jump too fast. They're like, oh, I'm gonna discipline that guy. Like you know, he took one too many bagels at the at the hospitality table. You know, it's time for discipline. I'm gonna have a private conversation. You know, it's like when do you do it? And and I think one of the one of the biggest triggers for this, obviously, the spirit's gonna lead you in that. Okay, the spirit's gonna lead you in that, but. More of about when the spirit will tell you when you need to do that, but I like the false teaching in church planning. When when people come into your church and they begin to spread a false gospel, or when they begin to spread a false teaching, I, the biggest one here is we've had people come in and um, because we reach so many unchurched people, you know, and because there are so many questions about sexuality here today, we have we've had people that come in and they they just want to really champion, you know, like um, same sex marriage and approving that as a church and and trying to spread that mm -hmm. that culture, and they call it like um, inclusiveness and all these kinds of things. And you have got to, as Barney Fife would say, you've got to nip that stuff in the bud yep. like immediately. Yep. And so you, you know, you need to be prompted by the spirit, but mm -hmm. as the leader, that is part of being the shepherd. Mm -hmm. When, when those wolves come in, man, and they start to nip at the heels of, of the sheep and they can be nice, they can be kind, they can be sweet, but they start espousing universalism or they're, they're going right 
against the things you're teaching from the from the front, you know, and and they're doing it in small groups or yeah. they're doing it wherever. You've got to deal yeah. with that stuff. And it does. This doesn't mean that like you know, like one of your people shares a, you know, a Joyce Meyer quote on Facebook and you immediately go and, you know, start the church discipline process. No, of them. Because not. a lot of times, you know, these new, like they don't people know, go, they don't know any better. They just and don't so, know. But that's why you go, but you, you still, you, you need to have that conversation. Like yeah. if you see somebody sharing, you know, like, you know, Joel Osteen quotes, like you probably need to go talk to that person. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like it's a, and not in a, in a disciplinary way, but it's not in a, a rude like way, a, not just, in a rude way at all. Hey, I love now, you. but if you, and if, if, a lot of it just depends on how they respond. Yeah. Now, if they start responding and they're kind of resistant to what you're yeah. saying, that's when you know you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially if they start going and spread it to other people, right? Yeah. Like if they're going to people without your knowledge and yeah. they're undermining your teaching, yeah. things like that, like that's that's not a good thing. You so. know, and that's well, the other thing too is I, I just want to say this: if who remember what what Paul says and what Jesus says, we're talking about in the body. So when yes. you have seekers who are coming to your church, man, I don't, I don't care if that seeker is whatever sin they're into, man. If there are, they are curious about God, you better walk with them. Mm-hmm. Cause Jesus said, we, we did in our family worship time, um, yesterday morning, what we talked about was Jesus came for the sick, man. And so if you're not for the sick, if you're not for the sinner, you, you, you try to start practicing church discipline on people. Mm-hmm. I don't care how grievous their sin uh, potentially looks to you, mm-hmm. whether it's a sexual sin or whatever, if, um, you know, they still or whatever, but they're journeying with you. You've just got to be super careful. Now, the the minute they repent and they claim the name of Christ, then then that takes them into a different place. Yeah. Now, and if they're not a but, there is a limit to, to of even course that because if they're not a believer, but and they cause causing problems. disruption. Yeah. You know, we've had that um, <laughs> had that happen multiple times yes. for us. Now, you know, you know very well. You know, yeah. some of the stuff we've had to deal with yeah. and, and gone through, and so you know, like sometimes people are just going to come in and, and at first they'll it'll appear like they want to, you know, journey with you, but really what they want to do is they just want to come in and stir the pot and yeah. <laughs> cause disruptions. And so, you know, at some point you have to know, like, when do we, you know, have to kind of nip that in the bud. So yeah, that's it. Um, and they want to, they want to tell you, you know, like, uh, let me, let me tell you how to, you should really do this kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So good stuff, man. All right, guys. Well, Hey, uh, we are really grateful uh, that you listened to this week's podcast and we hope that, uh, it was beneficial and edifying to you, and this help, helps you in some way. Uh, make sure you head over to our website, www.getinthetrenches.com, and you can find all of our other episodes on there. And uh, Also, uh, you can find links to uh, iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher, and you can head on over to any of those platforms, and you can subscribe to In the Trenches. We uh, really would appreciate it if you would do that because it helps increase uh, our visibility. Uh, so jump on there and subscribe. And then if you could leave us a rating, five-star ratings only, please. Five stars only. And, and a written review. Or practice church discipline. A written review telling, uh, talking about how much better Jared is than Matt. Yeah. Uh, as a host. I, amen. I agree with that I'm sentiment. I'm joking. <laughs> so yeah, man. But uh, just leave us a written review and that would really help us out. And it'll help get this podcast in the hands of more church planners. And as always, we're going to be back with another episode next Monday. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planters.